the bottom line in business. Voice America Business. Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Kim Snyder, uh, who is a well-known radio personality and investment person in Dallas. She's come out with a new book called How to Be the Family CFO. Nice to be with you, and welcome to the show, Kim. Thank you, Jordan, so much for having me. Let's just start a little bit with your background and how you got into uh, the position you are today and kind of just give us briefly your story. Sure. The the quick story is uh, 20 years ago, I was very fortunate coming out of college to go to work for a great company, rose up through the ranks fairly quickly, made a lot of money when the co- when the company went public, didn't have any idea what to do with that money. I turned it all over to uh, one of a broker at one of the big brokerage firms who told me not to worry, they'd take care of everything. I proceeded to quit my job and have a really good time, trusting that, you know, they were going to just manage everything on my behalf. Two years later, I got a phone call telling me that it was all gone. So at 31, I had been rich. At 33, I was broke. I had no job, no money, and uh, my credit was believe it or not, destroyed. I was in debt up to my eyeballs and had to start all over again. So the book, How to Be the Family CFO, is really the story from that picks up from that point forward. How did, what steps did I take in order to go from, uh, you know, broke to not, and uh, exactly how did I do it so that, not to say that my way is the only way, but just to say, you know, here here are the systems and the processes I developed for doing that, and hopefully they'll be uh, of help to somebody who's trying to get their financial house in order, or if nothing else, just at least stimulate some some thinking about that. Yeah, tell me a little bit about the services that you you now offer, having gone from rich to broke and now back to rich, I guess you might say again. Tell me about the services that the, your firm offers, and, and it's going to tie into you know what's what's in the book. Well, sure. It, I mean, it's interesting because uh, here I here I am now, totally unintended. Uh, I I actually have a firm in Dallas called Snyder Advisors, which is a registered investment advisor firm. But what's unique about us is specifically because of my life's uh, uh, experiences is that what we really focus on is we we focus on teaching investors how to manage their own money as opposed to turning it over to somebody else and hoping that they will put your financial interests ahead of their own, which we think is a pretty lousy bet most of the time. We think you're far better off to be educated and take responsibility, not just for your own investments, but for your financial situation uh, in total. But but a big piece of that, of course, is, is your investments. Before we get into some of the details of the book, I'd just like to get your sense of uh, the marketplace today. I mean, we've got uh, the credit crunch, the you know, banks are getting very, very tight with money, uh, the stock market's been kind of wildly volatile, there's all these concerns about are we going to get a bailout package or not. How should people be responding, particularly in the environment we're in today? Sure. And I, like you, I'm sure I'm getting tons of calls. What do I do? Nobody seems to have any answers. And I think this particular situation, Jordan, points out the fundamental problem that we have with the way people are investing their own money right now. Uh, you know, my, my view is the way that most of us are invested 
comes from the 1950s, and our world has changed a great deal since the 1950s, primarily that we all, I like to say we live in a double-digit world. And what I mean by that is, unlike our parents and our grandparents, we all have to earn at least 10% on our money in order to be able to pay ourselves, pay Uncle Sam, and keep up with inflation. It's pretty simple math. And the only place you can get double-digit returns over time is the U.S. stock market. So we have to be in the stock market, which means that we have to figure out ways to be able to, to, to survive these sorts of market events because uh, you know, look, this is, we've had these. This, we've been here before. We have them on, you know, basically about every five years or so, you know, some sort of cataclysmic event. And, uh, you know, we, you need to learn how to deal with them as an investor. The way that we're investing our money, though, doesn't do a very good job of that, in my opinion, specifically because what we're not doing is we're not tying our objective, the desired outcome, to... Um, to our investments, what we're doing is we're tying our, our outcome, which is for most of us the ability to generate enough income to someday live in retirement, that's currently tied to the current market value of the portfolio. So let me just quickly, I'll go through this. Okay. Imagine, imagine I've got a million dollars invested today in a diversified portfolio of stocks and bonds, and there's the, the withdrawal rate in retirement is 4%. That's the amount that we can... Um, we can sustainably take out of the portfolio each year without almost running out of money. So I've got a million dollars that says I can only withdraw $40,000 a year without almost certainly running out of money. That's bad enough. But if my portfolio value drops to $500,000 by half, which it did during 2001-2002, then now my, my retirement income has just dropped to $20,000. Well, of course everybody is freaking out when when that happens. Our outcome, which is our retirement income, is tied to the market value rather than tying it to the amount invested. I have a million dollars in, and no matter what happens to the market, my income in retirement is still a function of the million dollars, not of the current market value. If I do that, and there are many ways to do that, then, uh, you know, these market ups and downs I can tolerate. I can, you know, which are the natural movement of the market, I can tolerate that because my outcome isn't affected by it. I, I think that's one of the, the big lessons is that we have to create portfolios which are designed to withstand these sorts of market events because they occur fairly often. The causes are different, but the, but the result is always the same. And what are you seeing people hap- how are you seeing people react to the current market environment of fear out there? And how, is, how are they changing their portfolios in ways that may be unwise? Um, well, the biggest thing that I see is that people are wanting to dump their portfolios. All right, everybody at the bottom wants to sell. And, you know, look, the way to make money is not to sell at bottoms and buy at tops, which is what most of us, when left to our own devices, will do. Uh, the way to make money is to buy at bottoms and sell at tops. Uh, in other words, we have to buy when everyone else is irrationally selling and sell when everyone else is irrationally buying. It's very easy to say. It is very difficult to do. And so the biggest mistake that somebody can make, and I am seeing people do it left and right, is to stop, uh, you know, is to sell out your portfolio here at the bottom uh, or stop contributing to your 401k or your IRA here. It doesn't make any sense because when viewed through the lens of time, if you look back at all of the other events over time that we have experienced similar to this one, 
10 years hindsight, you will never have wished that you sold there. You will always have wished that you gathered together every dime that you could find and invested it there. Um, but it's hard to see that when you're right in the middle of it. Yeah. Now, you have the whole concept in this book. And, again, I'm speaking with Kim Snyder, whose new book is called How to Be the Family CFO, Four Simple Steps to Put Your Financial House in Order. Uh, you have the whole concept of a family uh, CFO, which is kind of an unusual one. Most people don't, don't think of it that way. Why don't you talk a little bit about creating a, a family CFO and, and how that might work? Sure. Well, the the premise is that there you don't hold. There's never a more important job that you will hold than being the CFO or CEO of You Inc. You know, a lot of people spend more time planning their vacations than they do planning their and and budgeting for for their family. And the the idea that I put forward in the book is that some very basic principles of business uh, also apply to running the business. Of you. So, for example, um, idea number one is that you have to um, know you have to have a plan. You have, you know, no business operates without a without a some uh, strategic plan, financial plan, budgets, and so forth. But most um, family businesses, and by that I mean family households, don't have that plan. So the book talks about putting together personal financial statements. To, figure out exactly where you are and monitor your, your progress. Um, you know, the second thing I talk about is the CFO at, at a company is ultimately responsible for the results that the company gets. They can't, you know, if the results are bad, they can't blame it on the accountant or the, you know, uh, um, somebody who gave them advice. At the end of the day, the, you know, the buck stops at the, at the CFO. So it's, it's a, this idea of, um, being deliberate and and uh, systematic about the way we manage our family's household uh, finances, similar to the way that a CFO in a company would manage a company's uh, finances. Is this something that needs a lot of training? I mean, most people don't have MBAs or you know finance degrees of some type. No, really, that's and I, and that's one of the ideas that I wanted to put to rest in the book, Jordan is it really doesn't take a lot of training. Uh, it doesn't even require that you have owned your own business. I think so much of, of personal finance, when you really get down to it, is common sense. There are a few very basic principles that if you understand those principles, you can be a good steward of your money without having to spend inordinate amounts of time and uh, have PhDs or M- MBAs. It's just not necessary. So what are some of the specific te- steps that uh, families can take, you know, to implement this uh, CFO idea? Sure. Well, I break it down in, in my book into four, what I call four simple steps, and they are these. Number one is plan prudently. Number two is save prodigiously. Three, invest wisely. And four, manage risk. So within plan prudently, that would be things like creating personal financial statements, which we just talked about. Uh, it would be estate planning, for example. Um, within Save Prodigiously, we're talking about things like creating a six-month emergency fund, uh, knowing the difference between good debt, which would be things like mortgages and college loans, and bad debt, which is all those credit card debts and how to get rid of that credit card debt, um, saving in tax-deferred retirement accounts, things like that. Uh, you know, invest wisely, 
the first thing that I that I talk about is knowing your money's higher purpose. In other words, what job is it that your money is trying to do, and then developing an investment plan around that. Because Jordan, I think so many of us do it backward. We we go out in search of investments. We stumble upon one, and we go, oh look, here's this nice investment. What can I build with this? Which is sort of similar to stumbling on a pile of bricks and saying, what can I build with this? Rather than starting with a plan and working backward. And then the, finally, the last one, which is managing risk, has to do with things like um, staying on top of your insurance, health care, uh, long-term care insurance, uh, protecting your identity, managing your credit score, and things like that. Okay, we're going to get into these in much more detail in the next uh, segment. Again, my guest uh, during this uh, show is uh, Kim Snyder, who's a financial advisor in the Dallas area. Uh, her new book is called How to Be the Family CFO. Four Simple Steps to Put Your Financial House in Order. And we'll be back after this. All we talk about is money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about the show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. All we talk about is money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Kim Snyder, uh, who's a financial advisor in the Dallas area. Her new book is called How to Be the Family CFO, Four Simple Steps to Put Your Financial House in Order. Welcome back to the show, Kim. Thanks, Jordan. Um, if people have relatively limited income and uh, don't believe they really have any spare money to save or invest, um, how can they start building their finances today anyway? Well, one of the first things that I, w- that I would suggest is that they sit down and they go through the exercise of putting together personal financial statements, which I outline uh, in, in the book. 
And the reason is when I sit down with clients and I do that, something very interesting always happens. They put down their sources of income. They put down their big expense categories. And inevitably, the uh, expenses end up being less than the income. And yet they look at that. So there should be somewhere a positive net cash flow there. Uh, And yet they look at me and they say, but at the end of every month, I have no money left. These numbers don't add up. And I say precisely what that means is there is a tremendous amount of money that we don't recognize or realize is going out the door for things like, you know, lattes and and, uh, candy bars and lunches and things that we don't track, we don't need. They're they're completely and and totally discretionary, which if you could um, reclaim that, money uh, would go a long way towards starting a savings plan. Uh, I'm I'm always amazed at the the dollar amount. Most people are too when they actually sit down and and quantify that. So you you say that uh, even if you have a relatively small amount of money, like $20 a week or something like that, you're you got your first job, you don't have much money, but you've got a lot of time before you're going to need to retire. Uh, you can become a millionaire. A lot of people don't seem to think that's possible. How is that possible? Well, they don't, and it's really it's the magic of compounding. There's a formula in, in the book, Jordan. Uh, financial success is the, is the product of time uh, times savings times return. Well, and what we all have a tendency to do is to think of return first, but Our biggest ally when it comes to accumulating the sort of nest egg that we're going to eventually need to be able to retire on is time. And the power of compounding is is absolutely phenomenal. So if somebody starts early, um, you know, the the advantage of that um, is is just tremendous. Okay, so there's an example in the book, for example, of of Henry and and, uh, Bert, and it talks about where... um, Henry, or Bert rather, starts early, puts a very small amount of money away um, for just a few years. Bert gets, or Henry gets out of school much later, and he begins saving much later, but for a much longer period of time. And, uh, you know, Bert ends up with far more money than, than Henry does, and that's the power of, of compounding. So time comes first. Start early, and, uh, and, in, and a little bit of money will turn into a great deal. Um, The second most important thing is the amount that you save, because that is totally within your control. Uh, You know, the more that you save, obviously, you know, the the more that compounding can work its magic. The the least controllable of the three variables is your return. In fact, it's also the most dangerous, because what we see is that there's something called the performance paradox. When we chase return we typically end up getting the opposite of what we're trying to get. In other words, when we uh, are really focused on return and loss avoidance, that's when we tend to buy the things that have already gone up and then sell once they go down and do that over and over and over again. So instead of getting a high return, we end up actually getting a low one. So I tell people, if possible, focus on time and the amount that they save and then the return doesn't, you know, can just be average, and, and you can, in fact, turn $20 a week into a million dollars over a lifetime. It's actually quite simple. What are some of the things people can invest in that are going to get decent returns, you know, for as little as $20 a month or relatively small amounts? Well, I, I differ a little bit from most people. I think when you're first starting out, George, that you should 
uh, really protect that nest egg. I, the, the old idea that when you're young you can afford to take a lot of risk, I, I don't believe that's true. I believe when you're young and you're just starting out, you really can't afford to take that much risk. Uh, you wanna, it's like a, a fragile little egg. You want to get it built up first. So to begin with, I tell people to just put it in a savings account. You know, ING Direct, one of my favorite, uh, offers very relatively high rates on just a basic savings account. Put it in there until you get it built up to a reasonable dollar amount, $5,000, say. Once you start, once you get there, then what you can create relatively easily is a portfolio of low-cost index funds uh, with a, a, you know, one of these great firms like Vanguard, for example, who have very low fee, uh, very low entry point mutual funds, and you create that diversified portfolio and hold on to it over long periods of time, and 20, you know, 20 years from now. 40 years from now, when you get ready to retire, you're going to have a lot of money in there. Even though, even though today the interest rates you're earning, like on an ING account, are going to be relatively low, I mean, there's a, such a flight to quality here. Uh, people get almost no return into something like treasury bills. And, and recently there have been, uh, like one of the money market funds broke the buck and redeemed at 97 cents. Right. You still think that's, that's a good place to be? To begin with, I do. Now, I would never, once you get your, your um, nest egg built up, okay, then, like I said earlier, I believe we live in a double-digit world, and I believe that your money has to earn double digits every single year. Okay, so I, I, I'm not a big believer in holding cash, uh, generally, I, only when someone is young and first getting started. Okay, but once you get it built up to the point that you can put it in the stock market, reasonably, then you should do that. And you should do that for the rest of your life. Uh, because, frankly, when you look at it, there's only a couple of places that someone can reasonably earn double-digit returns over a lifetime. Uh, and in my view, those two things are uh, owning your own business, which you either do or you don't, and the, and the stock market. I, I am a big, big, big believer uh, in, in equities. We live in the greatest country in the world, the most transparent most liquid markets in the world, which over time have produced more wealth than, you know, any economy or, or market, uh, you know, over since, you know, mankind was, was born. So, uh, you know, uh, over long periods of time, I am incredibly optimistic about the, the power of money invested in the U.S. stock market. I just think you have to do it wisely in a way that is most likely to meet your objectives. Indeed. Um, one of the things you talk about in the book is uh, passive income yes. and ways of creating passive income. Why don't you give people the concept of passive income and then some examples of how they may be able to put a, a passive income portfolio together? Sure. Well, it's, the idea of passive income is fairly simple. It is that your portfolio be able to generate a, uh, enough cash flow or income coming off of it that you can withdraw that money and use it eventually to pay your bills when you um, either because you've lost your job or you've become sick or disabled or eventually because you want to retire. And I believe that for most of us, that's the primary job that our portfolio now has to fulfill. So if that's the primary objective that our portfolio has to fulfill, then we need to invest in ways that create that passive income, because what most people are doing is they're 
uh, investing for capital appreciation. Okay, so let me just let me just clarify terms here. Yeah. Capital gains, capital appreciation is when you buy something, you hope that it goes up in price so that you can turn around and sell it to some greater fool for more than you paid for it. And uh, at least that's the way I define capital appreciation. All right. Well, that doesn't always work, as as we well know. The benefit of having cash flow coming off is that. So let's just let's use some examples. Okay. Let's imagine that I have a hundred thousand dollars in a portfolio, and that that portfolio is able to generate a thousand dollars a month in income. Okay, which is a which is a fairly high rate. That's that's one percent a month or twelve percent a year. But assume that it is. Okay, and now I can withdraw that thousand dollars a month. Um, whether the market is up or down, I don't have to sell off assets in order to generate that, in order to, to, to claim that income. It's just coming off of the portfolio. And there are basically five ways uh, to create passive income. Um, two of them are unrelated to an uh, investment portfolio. One of them is rent, okay, which would come from like owning um, rental properties. The second is royalties. For those who are creative and have created, written a book or, or music or software programs or, or so forth. But the other three um, are investment income, and those are uh, interest, dividends, and option premiums. Those are primarily the, the three ways that, that we create passive income in a portfolio. Now, there are a ton of different um, investments, which I outline in the passive income chap- chapter in the book, that will produce income, passive income. They range from just buying dividend-paying stocks or preferred stocks to the various uh, bonds, the interest that the, that bonds pay, which at the moment is virtually nothing, uh, but, you know, um, are, are sources of passive income. Owning real estate investment trusts, which have to pay out 90% of their income to shareholders as a dividend, is, a, is another way. Um, there's some other more obscure uh, investments like Canadian Royalty Trusts, for example, or uh, option income closed-end funds. Uh, and then there's also, which I mentioned in the book, the, the way that I do it, which is our proprietary investment method, uh, which we call the Snyder Investment Method. All of those are, are outlined in the book, and all of them are ways to, to produce varying levels of income depending on the amount of risk that you are willing to take to get it. Let's go into some of those details because people may not be familiar with all those. For example, you talked about uh, option uh, premium income. Briefly, might you tell, you, tell people how that works? Sure. Well, you know, options for the longest time were um, a really scary word to people, Jordan. Um, you know, an option is the right. You, you sell, buy or sell the right for someone to buy or sell an a asset from you at a predetermined price within a specified period of time. It's just a it's just an, a, a contract. People understand it really easily when it comes to real estate, but that many people don't realize that you can do it on stocks as well. So one of the ways to create income is, let's say I own uh, IBM, for example, uh, and I own at an average cost of $45 a share. I'd be willing to sell that uh, those shares of IBM at something higher than that. So what I do is I sell someone uh, the option to buy my shares from me at, say, $50 a share. And somebody pays me for the right to, to be able to do that, to be able to call my shares away at 50 if the price of IBM rises above $50 a share. Well, that option income that I get from selling that option, that is a form of passive income. And if I can 
create um, um, enough of that income uh, coming off of the portfolio, then I can, um, in, in theory, use that to live off of and never have to um, worry about selling assets below market value to create income when markets are down. Is this a particularly good time to do options right now? I mean, is, are options uh, uh, you know, uh, expensive or cheap the way things are in the current marketplace today? Well, it depends on if you're a buyer or a seller. If you're trying to create passive income, which is what I believe in, then you will be a seller of options, and it's a fabulous time to be selling options because they are very, very, very expensive. I never believe in um, buying options except for strategic purposes to hedge uh, risk in a portfolio. I do not believe just to be clear, in using options to speculate on the future direction of price uh, because prices are random. You're going to get that bet wrong the majority of the time. If you want to do that, you might as well just take money, pile it up in your front yard, pour gasoline on it, and light a match because you're going to lose that money about that quick. But if you use them strategically, not as an expensive lottery ticket, but strategically to either produce income or hedge risk in your portfolio, they are a very, very, very valuable tool. Very good. Okay, we'll be back with Kim Snyder. Again, this is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. Uh, My guest this hour is Kim Snyder. Uh, her, Her new book is called How to Be the Family CFO, Four Simple Steps to Put Your Financial House in Order. And we'll be back after this. we talk about is money. Call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk talk money money all all the time. time. Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Sell, buy, buy, sell. All we talk about is money. Talk to an expert. Call now. now. Toll free 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Kim Snyder, who's a financial advisor in the Dallas area. Uh, she's on lots of uh, radio and TV shows there, and her new book is called How to Be the Family CEO, Four Simple Steps to Put Your Financial House in Order. Welcome back to the show, Kim. Great to be here, Jordan. We talked about uh, selling options as a way of increasing your income. Another thing you mentioned is uh, Canadian royalty trusts. Now, maybe that's something people might not be familiar with. Why don't you explain uh, how that works and, and maybe some of your favorites? Sure. Um, it can't, there are 
short name uh, is Canroy's, um, and these are fairly obscure. A lot of people have never even heard of them. They're somewhat similar to a real estate investment uh, trust, which means that they hold real estate, and then the, the trust pays out the cash flows, in this case, from the oil and gas and other commodities uh, that the uh, Canroy holds. Okay, So uh, unlike um, a REIT, which would typically own something like a real estate investment trust, which would typically own something like commercial office buildings or hotels or um, apartment complexes and then pays out the rental income to the shareholder, the, the Canadian Royalty Trusts typically own oil and gas-producing properties, and they pay out the royalties uh, to the shareholders. Now, um, you know, the, truthfully, these were a much better way to produce income in the past than they are currently, and that is because there have been some law changes, uh, primarily in Canada where these things mostly uh, live, um, where the tax advantage that they had will be going away in 2011. And so what that means is that, that the yields on these things, which were traditionally very, very high, uh, you know, in like the 11 to 15% range, are dropping down to the 2 to 4% range. So, you know, I, I don't love them anymore, uh, particularly uh, because, you know, there's a lot of legislative risk uh, involved, and, and there is no guarantee that you'll get a return of, of um, principal either. So um, they're, not, they're not quite as safe as a bond, um, and, and now they've got some additional risk associated with them. I mean, you still have about two and a half years to go before the new tax goes into effect. So, well, you do, but um, to me that's a little bit too close to be, in, to be investing in these things um, because, they, you know, the, the, as, because everybody already knows what's going to happen um, the price of these things will be will begin dropping fairly quickly, and I don't think an investor really wants to get caught in that. Okay, uh, you also have something called the, uh, the Snyder Investment Method uh, okay. as a way of creating passive income. Why don't you describe how that works? Sure. Well, it's very similar to what uh, I just described with you. The, the The Snyder Investment Method is a way of using option income in order to generate um, uh, um, passive cash flow. And our goal is to be able to generate 1% per month in, in cash flow um, from the sale of options, a uh, combination of interest dividends, as well as any profits that we make on the sale of stock. And, and it's, not, it's not unlike a, a one of these option income closed-end funds. It's just that um, our focus is, a little, is more heavily on the income that we're able to generate as opposed to an op, a closed-end fund which focuses more on total return. Um, we're able to maximize or get a bit more income off of it, or at least we have been able to historically, because we are willing to um, forego total return in exchange for cash flow. Now, but for me, that's the most important thing because, frankly, you know, I think total return is overrated because I can't eat the number on a, on the top of my statement. The only thing that I can eat is the income that the that the portfolio is able to sustain over very long periods of time. And the problem, what what I was really trying to solve, Jordan, just so you know, is a very specific problem, and that is that for most of us, this four percent withdrawal rate is just not workable. In other words, I save a million dollars, which is a lot of money, all right, over my lifetime. And now I can only comfortably take out $40,000 a year, 
without almost certainly running out of money. And plus, I have to pay Uncle Sam, uh, you know, part of that. So there's a 25% down the drain. I'm left with $30,000 a year to live on. Well, the, the problem for most people is if I had the sort of lifestyle or the sort of job that allowed me to put a million dollars in the bank, I'm probably not going to want to live on $30,000 of after-tax uh, of money. So, um, so it's number one, how do I create the, the, the absolute most amount of cash flow off of the portfolio so that I can increase my uh, standard of living in retirement? And two, how do I... Uh, like I said earlier, tie that income not to the market's ups and downs, but rather to the investment itself so that that income is growing over time enough that I can live off of it and also keep up with inflation rather than have my income be subject to, you know, to, to, to the market, which is just not workable. I cannot have my paycheck go up and down uh, at the same rate that the U.S. stock market does, it's just not—it's just not feasible. So that's—that's that's the specific, very specific problem that I set out to solve uh, back in 1997 when I first created the Snyder Method, and um, we've been teaching it to other people since 1999. We've taught thousands of people how to do it. There's currently that we know of about a half a billion dollars that we can that we uh, consult on or manage directly using the Snyder Investment Method for people. Or, or with people who are trying to achieve that very specific result, which is so, more more retirement income. So when you do it for people, uh, what is the minimum amount you'll take, and, and what are your management fees, just to give people a sense of that? Sure. Well, our ideal scenario is not to do it for somebody. Uh, our ideal scenario is we believe that you should do it yourself. What um, what our, our, our model is set up to teach people how to do it themselves uh, we have a very uh, intensive two-day workshop and then followed up with um, uh, support. We, we consult as, as a registered investment advisor. We can consult with you and uh, kind of hold your hand at, at varying levels. We have a coaching level for people who at first need us to actually do it with them until they get comfortable with it. Um, there's a consulting level which just allows people to, to call and ask questions and sit down with us and go through their financial situation and, and so forth. But it's really about being a consultant to you as the family CFO, managing your own money in a way that makes sense as opposed to us doing it for you. Now, um, that being said, so just to give you the break, we, we do manage money on behalf of some clients who just, for whatever reasons, can't or won't do it themselves. But that's not our, um, that's not our focus. So to, just to give you the breakdown, we consult with clients manage, managing their own on about $400 million. We manage directly only about $100 million because our focus is on helping people do it themselves. But, you know, we've had clients who've passed away, for example, and their heirs will have us do it for them. Or we have people who just say, look, I'm just too busy with my job or whatever. I want you to do it now, and when I retire, maybe I'll do it. Um, the minimum is $100,000. The uh, fee schedule is a sliding schedule. It starts at 2.5% works its way down to 1%, depending on the amount that you put with us. Um, but, again, our, uh, our objective or our, our preference would be that you learn how to do it yourself and you save those fees. You put those in your pocket and you allow those to compound. What kind of rates of return uh, on improving their income should people expect using the Kim Snyder investment method? Well, 
you know, obviously all I can talk about is what our historical rates yeah. have been. Um, historically, our yield has been uh, 13.3% from um, the period September 2002 to, to February 2008. I think actually our latest numbers just came out, and they were as of through September, and they were 135 um, but people have to remember that's a yield number. So, in other words, that's not the uh, total return. That's the cash flow that the portfolio uh, is generating. So, just to, to turn that into numbers, uh, if you let's just say there was a million dollars in the Snyder method uh, and it was yielding 13.5%, that would be $130,500 of cash flow for the year. And the advantage of the Snyder method is that it allows you to pull about 80% of that um, out to be able to live on. So, uh, you know, that's about, uh, what, um, $104,000 of income that you could pull as compared to only 4% of a million dollars or $40,000 with a traditional portfolio. Tell people your website, and maybe you do have an 800 number that people can uh, find out more about uh, how to reach you. I would love to. Our website is Kim, uh, sorry, is Snyder Advisors, S-N-I-D-E-R-A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S dot com, or you could go to KimSnyder.com, S-N-I-D-E-R. Either one will work. And our 800 number is 888-6-SNYDER, S-N-I-D-E-R. Very good. Okay, we're going to break. This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show, and my guest this hour is Kim Snyder, uh, who's written a new book called How to Be the Family CFO, Four Simple Steps to Put Your Financial House in Order. And we'll be back after this. Stocks, bonds, 401ks, investments, refinancing. We can help you. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. Jordan Goodman has created the Money Answers Network to put at his listeners' fingertips the very best personal finance products and services that he has found in his 30 years of research. If you have a money question, Jordan Goodman has a money answer. To find out more, go to www.moneyanswers.com. The Money Answers Network features top products and services in virtually every area of personal finance, car buying, and leasing, college financing, credit debt, financial planning, investing, insurance, legal services, mortgages, retirement planning, wills, and more. Only businesses that have demonstrated excellence in both their products and services are invited to become members of the Money Answers Network. The public can sign up for membership in the Money Answers Network at no charge in order to be apprised of the latest useful resources. To learn more, visit www.moneyanswers.com. Get ahead with Money Answers. Achieve Total Wealth Management. Listen to Three Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, right here on Voice America Business. Three-Dimensional Wealth is a show dedicated to teaching you a value-based approach to comprehensive wealth management through practical strategies and expert advice. Take your first step down the road to financial independence. Listen to Three-Dimensional Wealth with Rory Diefendorf, Mondays at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 Eastern, here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Money, money, up-to-date business and financial news. Money, money. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. 
You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host, and my guest this hour is Kim Snyder. Uh, who's a financial advisor and uh, money manager in the Dallas area. Uh, her new book is called How to Be the Family CFO, Four Simple Steps to Put Your Financial House in Order. Welcome back to the show, Kim. Thanks, Jordan. Um, let's talk about financial advisors. Uh, there's a lot of people out there uh, saying that they are the, they're the best financial advisor and so on. How should people go about picking a financial advisor who's right for their situation? Okay, well, um, a couple things. Number one, as I've already uh, mentioned on the show, I really believe that, that financial advisors are, by and large, unnecessary for most people. Most of us do not have financial situations which are complicated enough that we need a financial advisor. A uh, little bit of basic education will go a very long way to getting you exactly where you need to go. However, that being said, if uh, you feel like you really do need one, here is my advice. Um, number one is to make certain that you only work with what are known as fee-only financial advisors. A fee-only financial advisor is an advisor who does not take any c- commissions from, um, say, a mutual fund company, for example, or a a insurance company, or any, uh, he does not accept commissions from the companies for any of the products that he or she uh, provides or recommends to you. The way that they get paid is you pay them either an hourly fee or a percentage of assets under management or, or, or some other arrangement where 100% of their fee comes from you. And that's the only way you can make certain that the recommendations they are making, they are making because they think they are best for you as opposed to they are the ones that will make them the most money. That's critical. And the way that you find a fee-only financial planner is through an association called NAPFA or the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors uh, at napfa.org or also feeonly.org. And you can put in your zip code, and they will give you a fee-only financial planner near you. The only um, planners who can belong to NAPFA are fee-only financial planners. I would caution our listeners, Jordan, to be very careful uh, of distinguishing between fee-only and fee-based. Those are two different things, okay? Be careful. Fee-based means they actually do both. They get a fee from you and they take the commission. All right, you want fee only. Very big difference. The second... Well, I'm just saying that that's a really good thing, except fee only planners only work with quite high-income people. If they're only going to earn fees and no commissions, how about if you're more average, you know, to lower average American, uh, fee only planners probably not going to be affordable for you. What should you do in a case like that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I agree with you. Sadly, this is this is one of the big problems that we have in America is the people that need financial advice the most uh, are the ones that no financial advisor wants to work with because everybody only wants the high net worth client. Uh, and so that, that, is prob- that is very problematic. Um, it, m- this is the reason why I really believe in being your own family CFO. I believe in doing it yourself because, um, you know, the problem that you run into when you go to an advisor who accepts 
commissions. I mean, I'll just give you an example, right? So the first thing that they're going to probably recommend to you is to, that you, you buy actively managed mutual funds. Well, that's because they get a nice commission on those actively managed mutual funds. But what we know is that two-thirds of actively managed mutual funds underperform the market on, in any given year, and the ones that outperform from year to year are not the same ones. In other words, they are almost guaranteeing you that you will get a return, which is less than the, than the market average itself, and they're recommending that because that's what they make money on, as opposed to recommending that you buy a low-cost index fund, which you will never hear a, a commission-based advisor recommend because they make no commission. And yet, on average, you, you will make about 2% a year more by being invested in these uh, low-cost index funds, which nobody makes a commission on, than you will an actively managed fund. So therein lies the problem. You can, you can solve that problem simply by having a very limited uh, a little bit of inf information or understanding about how to manage your own assets. Uh, and, uh, and as I said, frankly, most people are not, their situation is not complicated enough that um, a financial advisor can bring you uh, that much additional. In fact, I have a, a chapter in my book called um, Invest Your Own Money, and, and one of the things that I write in there is, is, is really I think a lot of times when people go to an advisor, um, they're looking for things that they're, they're really looking for, um, you know, magic. They're looking for silver bullets or answers. They're looking for for discipline, uh, and, you know, a financial advisor can't give that to you. You know, they can't make it. You, you, you actually have to carry out um, the plan. So, um, you know, I think people go to advisors for the, really for the wrong reasons. You talk a lot about uh, financial education, um, and, and maybe just tell us a little bit about some of the resources you have in your book about how people can educate themselves about financial opportunities. You're saying the average person shouldn't go to, well, would not be able to afford a fee-only financial planner and probably shouldn't go to a fee-plus commission planner, so that, that means that they pretty much have to educate themselves. What, what are some, you know, there's so much information out there. How can they sort through that and, and figure out what's appropriate for them? Sure, and and that is really the the, the struggle is um, there's a lot of information and a lot of it is contradictory. So um, a, a investor has to be really really careful. But um, there's two things. Uh, you know, there are some really wonderful books out in, you know in the world, and and it only takes a couple of them to um, get your your legs under you and and begin to understand the basics of personal finance and investing. Um, you know, my biggest advice to people is, you know, that you sample everything that's out there. And, it, and if you are, you know, if you read a, a sampling, um, you will quickly begin to see the different points of view that people have. And, you know, you, you, you read them critically. You don't accept anything that anybody says, including me. Uh, you know, just blindly on faith. You have to be a critical thinker when it comes to your your personal finances because, frankly, if you don't, nobody else will. You have to say, does this, look, at a common sense level, does what they're saying here make sense to me? Uh, you know, and when you've read a little bit, you'll start, to, you'll start to say, oh, I see, this makes sense, and this is really just a sales pitch. Or, you know, I, I, so, to, and that, it's just me because I'm a book learner, but um, I think books are the best way for somebody to get um, a financial education. I'm not a big 
believer in following, you know, the day-to-day market news, the CNBC, the Wall Street Journal, and so forth. Yeah, you want to be informed about affairs, but an investor who has a long time horizon, what's happening day-to-day is should be fairly irrelevant to them anyway. Um, So, you know, books to me seem to be the best source of of education. Yeah. And and how about some websites? Are there some websites you think are particularly good? Um, Yeah. Well, let me just say one thing. Actually, on my website at kimsnyder.com, there is my recommended reading list. It's fairly extensive. And, and again, it's going to be, you know, everyone should know it's going to be biased based on my view of the world, of course. But that's one, you know, one place... Uh, that you can start, and then you can go read some other stuff and see how it uh, um, matches up to what you've read here. Uh, and you, you apparently have a blog as well, is that correct? I do have a blog, in fact. It's blog, B-L-O-G dot Kim Snyder dot com. Um, in terms of um, other websites that, that I like a lot, um, you know... Uh, uh, there aren't really any. I tell you, Jordan, there aren't. You know, I, um, I, I, I look at Yahoo Finance. I, I look at um, uh, CNN Money and CNBC and some others. And you know, th- th- there is a lot of good articles that that come that that are there. But um, sadly, you've got to sift through a lot of um, um, really unhelpful information. I think to get to the to the good articles. So uh, my my recommendation is to stick with the books. Uh, in the brief time we have left, one of the things we haven't talked about is managing risk, and you said that's certainly part of your whole strategy here. What what are some things that people are not doing to manage risk, and, and what should they be doing to manage risk in this economy? Well, let me tell you what one of my um, big hot button issues is today, and that is long term care insurance. Hel- you know, healthcare obviously is the big X factor, the big question mark for all of us. When we eventually get to retirement age, um, you, when I say managing risk, what I'm really talking about is our big. We have two big risks. One is our um, income, okay, a disruption of our income. So that would be things like making sure that I either have disability insurance or I have enough passive income that my portfolio generates that I could replace my income if I became sick or disabled or wanted to take time off from work. Um, but the the other thing is, uh, which is very big, is long-term care insurance. Uh, at age 55, anybody with less than $3 million in, in assets needs long-term care insurance. It isn't yet, but it will soon become like, I believe, like homeowners or automobile insurance. It's something that we will all have. And I, I've really gotten on this kick um, because of watching my own grandmother who started out with a fairly sizable estate and sadly uh, has Alzheimer's. Uh, you know, she's been in care for 10 years now. Her care costs something like $150,000 a year out of pocket, and she's taken a very nice estate, and it's now down to the last $400,000. Yeah. Now, fortunately, she could afford that, but without long-term care, many people can't. Okay, in closing, Kim, uh, why don't we give people your phone number and website one more time uh, and how they can get the book. Yes. Uh, website is kimsnyder.com, and that's spelled S-N-I-D-E-R. My phone number is 888-6-SNYDER, and you can get the book on at any major bookseller or Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com. 
Very good. Well, it's really been fascinating. And again, I've been with Kim Snyder, uh, how to be the family CFO. Lots of really great ideas in a very volatile economy. And I really appreciate her being us with us on the show, Kim. Thank you so much for the opportunity, Jordan. And thank you, and we'll be back again next week. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.